We begin today the second epistle of Peter. Tradition holds that Peter wrote this letter shortly before his death, and much of the letter is trying to correct things being taught by false teachers, who in Peter's mind were twisting and distorting the simple gospel. And he also has in this letter um, extended emphasis on the certain promise of the second coming of the Lord Jesus and how believers in the meantime ought to live lives of holiness and godliness. So having said that, let's let's take a quick look at some of the things that we find here in this first chapter. And the first thing has to do with uh, him saying, make your calling and election sure. You'll recall that both that Peter both began and ended his first letter confirming that every believer has been chosen by God to be saved. See, for example, 1 Peter 1.1, 1, 1, so right out of the gate in 1 Peter he says that, but also at the other end of 1 Peter, 1 Peter 5.13, same emphasis. And this truth was to be of comfort to them in the midst of their persecution for the name of Christ, to assure them that it was God who chose them from before the world began, and he had a good plan for them through their suffering. Well, now he begins his second letter here in the very first chapter, exhorting those believers in in chapter 1, verse 10, to be all the more diligent to make your calling and election sure. In other words, live as those who have been chosen by God himself to receive the blessings of salvation, declare his praises for salvation, and to bear witness for that salvation. The, the even better news, though, is that Peter kicks off his letter here, also reminding us that God has already, he says it in verse 3 of this first chapter, He God has already granted to us all things pertaining to life and godliness. Yes, we're called to live in accordance with the fact that we've been saved by the gracious choice of God, that, we, that that same grace even works in us to accomplish that very thing. It's not as if that we just sit back passively and let God do his thing in us. No, God works in us in such a way as to motivate us to walk in his ways, and then by his grace we actively choose to live according to his will. But what does that look like? Peter says it begins with faith in Christ alone for our hope and salvation, but to that we should strive daily for our lives to exemplify such qualities as, as he puts it in verses 6 and 7, virtue, knowledge, Self-control, steadfastness, godliness, brotherly affection, and love. Peter will refer to these qualities or these things five more times over the next six verses. Verses 8, 9, 10, 12, and 14. When you see a phrase repeated that many times, like these qualities or these things, when you see it repeated that many times, take notice. It is Peter's expectation that these qualities would not only be present in every professing believer who is truly born again, but would be present and increasing, as he puts it in verse 8. Christians possessing these characteristics, Peter says, will be effective and fruitful for the Lord Jesus Christ, verse 8, and can keep us from falling, verse 10. And if we want them to describe us in increasing measure, then Peter is right that we need those around us constantly who will, as he says in verses 12 and 13, stir us up by way of reminder, you know, even when we are sure that we already know them and are established in the truth, we need those reminders around us all the time and those, those encouraging us to press on. We never get too old or too experienced in the faith to hear the truth again and have it taught to us and examine ourselves by it and grow more in Christ's likeness. That is how we make our calling and election sure. Well, that's one thing. But for second, 
uh, let's go to the end of the chapter and think about um, the nature of Scripture. Uh, there's a there's a wonderful passage right at the end of the chapter that pertains to the inspiration of of the Bible. We already read and studied a passage that taught very clearly that doctrine. Remember Second Timothy three sixteen and seventeen: all Scripture is God breathed, and so forth. Here, Peter affirms that when those men who penned the Scriptures uh, that now comprise our Bible, when they sat down to write, the reality is, in Peter's words, in, in verse chapter one, verse twenty-one, they spoke from God. From they spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. They were what they were writing. They didn't whether they were actively aware of it or not. They were being carried along by the Holy Spirit, and and therefore were writing just exactly what He would have them to write. Now, as to how God did that is worth considering. He didn't simply drop the Bible out of the sky, uh, nor did the biblical writers simply hear an audible voice from God and uh, from heaven. And, and God didn't just dictate to them. Uh, they weren't just um, taking transcription for what they heard God say from heaven. But if, if that's not how it happened, then how exactly did God, through men, produce a book that says exactly what he wanted said? Well, to be sure, there's a level of mystery involved there, but that is far from saying that we can know nothing of the process. To begin with, it is helpful to recall that it is not so difficult to understand how God could uh, communicate his word, uh, his very word, so precisely through men when we consider that in, in the fact that he's sovereign over all things, you know, and that he accomplishes will, his will in every respect at all times. We see that so many places in the Bible. Psalm 115.3, our God is in the heavens. He does whatever he pleases. Ephesians 1.11, according to the counsel of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. So if God is sovereign, meticulously sovereign over all things, it's not uh, so far-fetched to think, to think he could sovereignly produce uh, a Bible that says just exactly what he would want to say. B.B. Warfield, writing almost 100 years ago, has given a helpful and insightful explanation along these lines. When considering the inspiration of Scripture, there is, and I'm quoting Warfield, there is the preparation of the men to write these books to be considered. A preparation physical, intellectual, spiritual, which must have attended them throughout their whole lives and, indeed, must have had its beginning in their remote ancestors and the effect of which was to bring the right men to the right places at the right times with the right endowments, impulses, acquirements uh, to write just the books that were designed for them. So, therefore... If God wished to give his people a series of letters like Paul's, he prepared a Paul to write them. And the Paul he brought to the task was a Paul who would spontaneously write just such letters. End quote. The scriptures are a miracle of God, and he, he prepared the men in just such a way that they would write as it felt to them, they would, of their own will, just write exactly what he desired them to write. And it was what they desired to write. They coincided perfectly. Every word, simultaneously, the word of God and the word of man. What an incredible mercy that God has condescended to speak to us in words and in ways that we can clearly understand so that we might know him and know his salvation. 
And those are just a couple of thoughts from Second Peter chapter 1.